Hey guys, thank you for joining me today. I am thrilled. I'm excited, man. This is crazy. I'm sitting down with a $55 million print-on-demand seller. You're blowing away the record for the most successful <laughs> print-on-demand seller that I've had the opportunity to talk to. So Ahmed, nice to meet you, man. Thank you for being here. Absolutely, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm glad we were able to meet on threads. I thought that was really cool. You know, I wanted to bring that up because I, I have to plug it, right? <laughs> uh, really, really cool platform, man. But I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah. So this is like actually the, probably like the first beneficial thing to come from uh, the new like meta clone of Twitter. Uh, and I didn't expect you to get back to me. So it was super cool when I, yeah. uh, I saw Curtis, my buddy who runs my designs, which is a really cool, like print on demand tool. He, uh, I saw like him in my feed and I messaged uh, the same thread and anyways, here we are. So yeah. thank you for taking time to do this, man. I'm looking forward to hearing your story about like, really like how you got started uh, initially that led you down this path to $55 million in print on demand sales. And I'm sure that number is only going to rise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely an unorthodox story, right? But I feel like most e-commerce entrepreneurs do have an un unorthodox story. Um, for me, you know, going like way back, you know, I, I was someone that wasn't so great at school. So I didn't really have a career path in mind. Uh, post like high school, I was a college dropout. And so I was working a lot of different odd jobs. At that time, I, there was someone in our community, actually, he was a older, um, he's like five years older than me. I used to play basketball with him. And so I had reached out to him for like a job opportunity because I knew he had like an office where he trade like metal or something weird. Um, so I was looking for something like $12 an hour, like, hey, I'm just going to work with you in your office. And he told me that, and this is, mind you, this was 2015. And so he told me that, hey, actually last week, you won't believe this, but I made $35,000 selling t-shirts online. And I was like, absolutely mind blown. Like, what does that even mean? Right. I've never made that in even two or three years. Right. So uh, I, I was pretty taken aback. And so I asked him, I was like, hey, can you introduce me to this? Like, like can you show me how it's done? Um, so funny enough, the design itself was, um, okay. So it, if you watch Grim of Thrones, um, it's, it's a mock on the crows. And so it was, uh, bros before crows or, or something like that. And he made a ton of money on it. Um, and so he told me to come in and start helping him make designs. And I was like, that's a great place to start. I'd love that. So I started learning about designing. I started learning about, you know, t-shirt selling online and it was Teespring at that time. Um, so I just would help him launch 10 to 20 different designs a week and he would test them with Facebook ads. And that's all we knew. 99% um, of, you know, the designs that we'd actually launch would would fail naturally, right? Uh, as is like the nature of this industry. And Thank you for you know, sharing I, that, by the way. Sorry yeah. to cut you off, like because I, I think sometimes, man, like there's a tendency for people to watch the talking heads on a screen, pretend right. like we've got the Midas touch and everything that we touch turns to gold and everything's successful. Like if you're gonna go that route, like Facebook ads, drop shipping, print on demand, whatever it is, like the vast majority are going to fail. Even if it's a good product, maybe you didn't frame it the right way. So thank you. I didn't mean to cut you off. Right, right. No, no, absolutely. I, I love it. Um, I, I love the add on, you know, to the conversation, but no, absolutely. It's true. And, and like fast forward, even to this day, right? Like even with all this experience, nine out of 10 of our designs will still fail. It doesn't matter how much knowledge we have. Like we've proven product market fit across many different niches and, and it's still the same story, right? So it's a quantity game. Um, and we learned that very early on. Um, so by doing that, I actually had my best friend join us. Um, and, and that really snowballed, you know, like after doing t-shirts for a while, we realized that maybe we want to get into something different. So we actually bought a course on um, drop shipping around 
late 2015. Um, we learned about that. We started testing different trinkets online. But what we found was that no matter how many stores we launched, we would always kind of circle back to like customize prints um, across different categories. And so after having like 10 random dropshipping stores and trying a bunch of them, um, some of them were very successful, others were not. But the reality was that every single one of them died eventually because we didn't know how to brand, right? Um, and so again, full circle, we drop shipped canvas prints. Uh, you can see something behind me, it's multi-panel five piece, large canvas. So we were getting this from a supplier out in China um, at the time in 20, late 2016. And the first month that we ran this product, we did $250,000 in revenue. I think because we were one of the first to like bring this product to Facebook ads, which was still pretty early at that, at that time. Um, and it worked so well. So like, we just thought we would drop every single design we ever could on this multi-panel print and just sell it. And so after two months of doing that very quickly, we learned how unreliable those suppliers were in China. Um, so, uh, and it was probably the specific supplier I was working with. Uh, and we had a terrible Christmas. We had a lot of upset customers, which obviously made us stop everything. We had to send a bunch of refunds. We were so apologetic. Um, and so we decided to take that into that control into our own hands. In January of 2017, we ended up leasing a warehouse for a thousand square foot. We bought our first HP latex printer, which would allow us to print these, you know, canvases in different designs and formats. And um, yeah, did we, you know we anything about that? Them. Like, I always wonder, man, what's Absolutely the learning like? Because like, I don't have the first clue if I had to start right. myself in your shoes. What's what's awesome is that today, right? Like that wouldn't be the first thought that entrepreneurs would have. If they had a successful print company, they would naturally look for a print-on-demand app. But in 2017, that didn't exist, right? Or if it did, we just didn't know about it. So we were just like going with the supplier in China. And we were like, the only option we have is to make it ourselves. For some reason, we didn't even consider that there was other canvas manufacturers in our local area that we could call and work with. Um, so it was really just ignorance that led to that decision. It wasn't some genius financial decision. It was just like, oh, we have to deliver on time. We have to have happy customers. This has the potential to become a brand, which was canvasfreaks.com. Um, and so we just kind of started and we hired our little cousins um, who would just kind of come in, help us package, you know, frame things with hand. Um, and very quickly over the next three years, that really developed. Um, and now we have like a 35,000 square foot warehouse here in Orlando, Florida. We have like, I think six of these printers, we have like flatbed printers and all this other machinery. And we're able to push out thousands of canvas prints a day. Um, not all of which are just our orders, right? We work with different, uh, different companies, uh, print on demand sellers. Um, so yeah, it just like really grew from there and, and it wasn't an overnight success. It was literally a grueling day by day approach. Uh, and so for three years, 2017, to 2020, all we did was focus on the manufacturing, scaling that, being efficient, um, you know, building canvasfreaks.com. And then we got to a point so where product? we realized, it, this, this I would product? say like one, one product category with okay. thousands of designs, gotcha. right? Um, and so, yeah, we had so many niches from like lions and, and, you know, wildlife to oceans and landscapes to like, even like anime and, and everything else. We, we would bring on artists that we'd commission for like, 10 piece or sorry 10 percent uh on sales and then we'd have we'd host artist artwork on the site and 
And so like, it was a mix of everything that really helped us scale that. Um, but around 2020 is when we really made that decision to start launching new brands. Um, so PokePet Shop, AnimifyMe.com, DriverDynasty.com. We started launching all of those um, back in 2020. And those all started to be like our new approach to grow uh, because we realized we couldn't just work on one website. It was a mix of us just not being satisfied with that as entrepreneurs, but also uh, a mix of like the market opportunity, right? Um, and so the I, need to diversify. Yeah. Can I mention like, uh, so these are all like, are they Shopify stores and they're yeah. each their own brands and you're using this to like market to like probably via Facebook ads maybe, but also it probably ranks well organically. I've taken a peek. By the way, guys, yeah. check out Ahmed on uh, Instagram. I'm linking it. He's got uh, links to the some of your some of your brands like accounts yeah. as well as a link tree with some of your other business ventures down there, right? Absolutely. Yep. Okay, uh, cool. that, and and that, that's the place to go for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, for us, it, you know, it made sense because our experience was in the Facebook ads. It was with building Shopify stores. And we, over time, we had built a team for that, right? Um, currently, we have, you know, uh, depending on the seasonality, anywhere from 75 to 100 plus employees. And so we have like team members dedicated to just building websites, launching products. Um, and and they're, they're incredible, right? Um, so yeah, totally the full Facebook ads approach. Um, I would say that the game changer for some of these really unique brands like PokePet Shop was influencer marketing. Uh, we would get these products into the hands of hundreds and hundreds of micro influencers. And, you know, what a micro influencer is, is someone that maybe has 2,000 or 3,000 followers. But what they do really well is they create awesome content. So we, we would take a brand like PokePet Shop, which was focused on creating custom, you know, pokey pet cards of, um, of pets. And mm -hmm. we would give them to like people that had really awesome accounts with their pets. And those people just post organically and, and it just would snowball into a mix of like 50% of our sales coming from like organic and word of mouth. And then the other half coming from like a lot of paid acquisition um, on Facebook. On can, I, can I ask too, yeah. did like, I think today there's a little bit more um, knowledge about like kind of your worth as a function of your following yeah. back then, were you able to get like a lot of people to do it just for free, just because they like the product? Oh, absolutely. I would say even until today, right? Um, and, and we'll always give people that option, right? We'll usually always start when it comes to micro influence and marketing deals, we'll always start with, hey, if you love our product and you would like a free one as a gift for a friend or a family member, you know, we'd love to work with you. And all we need in return is content. You don't even have to post it. Actually, we would just love the content so we can run paid ads to it. Um, and most of the people would just post it anyway, because they themselves are you know, content creators. Um, so, and it would, and it was such a cool product that they would want to post about it. Um, the other half would actually ask for payment and oftentimes we'd negotiate a payment that would make sense. Um, so again, I don't think it's necessary to always have to pay if your product is awesome enough. A lot of people actually only want that. They don't mind not getting paid. Um, but I wouldn't say it's something where you're like, you know, taking advantage. It, it would literally come down on a deal by deal basis. This is great, man. This is uh, yeah. really almost the opposite of how I preach, yeah. like basically what worked for me. Like I, I didn't have like the, the massive ambition that I think whether you guys knew you had or not, like, yeah. I think you really unlock the potential to hit these crazy numbers that you've hit and that you will continue to hit through um, really like thinking in terms of this is going to be a brand 
and we can achieve scale by owning our own site where we can, you know, create the email list, the targeted email list and run the Facebook ads, which we know can achieve crazy scale overnight. Uh, so I just love this, your perspective, man. And, uh, if you want to keep telling kind of the, the growth story, if there's anything left to tell and and kind of the background before we maybe pivot the conversation to more of the like actionable insights that you could share with people that are watching, uh, that would be great. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, there isn't much more to that, you know, startup story than I, I would say, like, once COVID hit, obviously, e-commerce was on a boom. Um, and we really took advantage of that, right? Um, I think at the time where COVID hit, I think we were doing around, you know, three to five million a year in revenue. And so we, you know, three X that quite literally the year that COVID hit because of like all of that natural, I guess, move to like shopping online, um, and so like, yeah, we, we just continue to do what we were doing. Um, and we just did it in volumes, I guess, uh, going back to maybe, you know, why we did it this way again, it just came down to what we knew. We knew Facebook ads, we knew, um, you know, we had the systems in our back end for customer service. And if we were doing customer service for one account, it made sense to be able to do it for five right? Uh, Five different brands. And so it's like this shared resources team that works across everything. Uh, The same person that works on our Canvas Freaks brand for developing products. It's the same person that's working across the other brands as well. Um, So it was just replicating this checklist of A to Z that we were just doing over and over again. Um, And like I said, nine out of 10 of these brands would not work. So it's not something I actually recommend to beginners. Um, I always, always recommend going on Etsy, right? Like doing a few designs, launching there, learning slow, right? Don't invest too much. Don't work with agencies, all of that. I I fully am on board with that process. Um, But I think for us at our scale, it made sense because at one point it became about feeding the manufacturing machine, which has obviously a lot of overhead, rent, machinery costs, raw materials, so like you need to keep that going. You have to keep feeding that with order volumes. And so for us, it it was almost born out of necessity um, as much as it was out of like desire. Um, so yeah, that, that was just our path. Um, I don't think there's a right path, right? I think when it comes to making money online, whether it's print on demand with Etsy, whether it's um, building your own website on Shopify, doing owning the whole process of email list, SMS, whether it's building an social media marketing agency, like it doesn't matter. There's no right answer. Everything works. Everything makes money. It's, it's about what you devote yourself to and just, you know, do day in and day out for maybe years, right. Before you find that success. Dude, I I love that. And that's honestly like how my brain almost works too. And like, I I see things as almost like modular, like, like you said, uh, you have the, the right people in place that are experts in this specific aspect of running a successful online, uh, in this case, print on demand brand. So it's like you can utilize, I guess, your team's strengths and say, all right, if it worked here, let's go launch in these other niches and see what happens. They're not all going to be big hits, but you just start building up the ones that that are big hits. And right, you can scale out Facebook ads almost on demand when you're onto something. And, uh, and I guess the average person that watches probably isn't going to <laughs> follow in your footsteps of, you know, buying a couple yeah. thousand square foot uh, factory and, and having, you know, up to a hundred employees. But I do love that you shared and are transparent about that aspect. Like just out of curiosity, do you share uh, your story or is there another way? Like, is it just social media that people should follow you if they want to learn more? 
Yeah, um, no, quite literally Instagram, right? I'm, I'm on the other platforms like LinkedIn, um, TikTok, but I don't really post much there. It's mainly on IG. Um, I feel like, you know, for us and our like series of companies, we really make it dependent on each company to kind of go after the customers. So like whether it's the print on demand brands, whether it's our marketing agency, whether it's our print on demand manufacturing company, like they all have their own funnels, their own marketing, and they're not dependent on like, let's say me as one of the co-founders, right? Uh, to kind of bring those eyes um, to the companies. I think there's a lot of value in building a personal brand and um, and kind of partaking in that. And I guess like I, I make siloed efforts, right? Just like, for example, like being on this, like this was a great opportunity that presented itself. I, you know, you have an amazing platform to share the story, help people out that have questions that want to take this approach. I mean, it totally makes sense to put myself out there, but um Again, like I, I stand by it. There's no right way of doing it, right? Uh, so I never really preach it as like, oh, you have to do it this way. Um, but for those that are interested, I mean, my DMs are open. You know, definitely reach out, ask questions. I'm happy to answer them. No, you might regret that. <laughs> You're going to get some people <laughs> hitting you up now. <laughs> That's no, really nice of you, though, man. Them in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we can answer some of these questions on this. Like I only, I'm, I'm just kind of firing off my head as to what comes into mind. Like the next thing I really wanted to know is like, what were the biggest pain points in scaling your business? I know there had to be a bunch with all the moving pieces you've got. Absolutely. Um, I would say that probably is like the financial side, surprisingly. Um, me and my co-founders, like none of us are really good at, you know, I guess, projecting cash flows and like looking at our books and you know when you're a, a, like an early stage founder you know maybe all of that isn't necessary but as you kind of work on your business things start to grow when you have to allocate money into the right places it becomes very important and you can imagine for us we have a lot of overhead we pay thirty five thousand a month in just rent right um we probably have well over six figures in monthly payroll that we have to pay out to employees and so there's a certain level of managing your books that needs to happen. And I think it's a good practice for every founder, every, even no matter how small you are to, to like get into the practice of that. Um, so I would say like that was, I mean, I'll give you a real life example, right? Um, so we ship everything in house, obviously, right? Cause we have the manufacturing facility. Um, we have like negotiated rates with FedEx. And so there was the way FedEx invoices us is they'll, charge us three weeks after something delivers. Um, we would just pay those invoices as they came in. There was three months in 2018, I think, where we just couldn't understand why our bank account wasn't growing, right? We had no idea. We found after three months that FedEx was overcharging us in total over $200,000. Um, and because we weren't in control of our finances, we were just wasting that money without. And, and so when we went back to FedEx, there was a whole thing. We couldn't get the money back because we paid it unknowingly. And, you know, like it was a big learning experience. And so this is true at every stage of the entrepreneur journey is that you want to be in control of your finances. You really want to pay attention to where the money is going. If you're starting an Etsy, let's say print on demand um, company, like you want to make sure you know what you're spending on marketing. You want to make sure you know what your margins are, right? And you want to model that out to understand if you're going to be profitable and where you should put your energy, right? Maybe you have too many VAs when some of that work you should be doing yourself, right? Um, so there's a lot to that. And I would say that was probably one of the, the hardest things for us. Aside from that, um, 
again, going back to that last point I made, I, I do think there's a level where people try to outsource too much. Um, I mean, speaking to your audience, I understand that a lot of them are, you know, uh, in corporate America, maybe. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they have full time jobs. And so they have the need to outsource. But a lot of times people will outsource too much and not learn enough about the business themselves. And, you know, that is a hindrance in growth. Right. How do you, I guess, create the best products if you're not involved in that process? How do you, you know, understand how to scale the ads if you're not involved in that process? Um, how do you, you know, understand feedback from customer service, right? If you're not involved in that process. So uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I would say. Um, but yeah, that's something to pay attention to as well. Hopefully that answers the question. No, no, that was an incredible answer. I didn't want to cut you off, man. That was great. Yeah. Like it shows the importance of, I don't know, man, I, I don't want to frame this the wrong way, but it's like, I think a lot of times when you flash a big number, like this video will do well on YouTube because it's going to say $55 million print on demand yeah. sales. But like, it's one thing to want to, have money. It's another to like be ambitious, to take the journey, to face the learning curve, to embrace failure, which you yep. called what I love to call it a learning experience. You didn't just let it get you down and like ruin your day. You like learn from it and then improved moving forward. Like all of these things, I feel like, and I'm not like, dude, you're, you're killing me in terms of sales. So like, I'm not trying to be pretend like I'm on your level, but dude, like that, that's all resonating with me and like my journey. You know what I mean? Like just Absolutely. being hyper-focused on getting where you want to be and like you were more ambitious and you're hitting higher numbers as a result, you, you, you took a different route, but I, I just love, I thought that answer was amazing, man. And yeah. I, guys, everybody watching, please also, like if you're enjoying this so far, drop us a comment. Uh, let Ahmed know that you're appreciating that he took time out of his busy day to be here. Cause I'm really enjoying it too. Um, I wanted to ask you actually, what are your thoughts on the marketplaces like Amazon, Etsy? Yep. Are you taking time with like your bigger brands to occupy space on those websites? Or are you really just kind of Facebook ad to Shopify email list and uh, kind of a closed loop there? Absolutely. That is a great question. And, it, you know, even before I answer that, I just want to go back to like, you know, we don't want to give ourselves too much importance. Right. So like, yeah, this is a big number, great in revenue, but in terms of like daily input and output, I mean, it doesn't look any different than what anybody's doing at any stage. So like, whether you're speaking to your founders that are doing 300 million, I mean, same input, same amount of effort probably that I am, uh, maybe they just chose a better industry, right? And then you have individuals that are maybe doing less revenue. Um, and it has nothing to do with like how intelligent you are sometimes. It has nothing to do with like, it could literally be just that the industry they chose is better or that their timing was better. And that's important to remember, you know, as an entrepreneur, because I think we all find ourselves kind of comparing ourselves to others, right? Um, and, you know, like it, it's just not an accurate measure of success, right? Uh, an accurate measure of success for me, especially because I have a three-year-old now, right? Is, is kind of looking at, okay, my free time, how much time am I able to spend with him, right? How many parts and pieces of my business can I automate so that I don't have to be so deeply involved and I can spend that time doing the things that I really love, which is spending time with my family or, you know, um, or building, building awesome products. Um, so yeah, it, it just, you know, I just wanted to add some context to that. Yeah, thank uh, but you. I appreciate Congrats that. on the three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank, thank you so much. Um, yeah, going back to other platforms, right? So like Amazon is incredible. Um, it has such a different business model and such a different mindset that's required as opposed to direct to consumer, which is what I do, which is, you know, paid ads, Shopify, SMS, email. Um, one thing you have to kind of understand right from the get-go is that if you're going to do the Shopify approach, I mean, either it's going to require probably a lot more hours, right, or a larger team. Um, and it's, 
I mean, it's rewarding. It's rewarding in the sense that like, it's relatively easy to sell your business. Your build, your business might be worth more at the end of, you know, that, that stretch where you're building it. Um, and so for that reason, it might make sense. Um, it might make sense because you have a strong marketing background and you know that that's an easy way to scale a brand. Um, but with Amazon, I feel like if you're doing something somewhat passive, I mean, that's such an amazing platform to be on, man. Um, I know it's competitive. I know the price points that you're selling for are going to be significantly lower, um, but it's more predictable, right? If you find a winning skew, you're able to scale that for a very long period of time. And I think that's incredible. And so there's pros and cons to both sides. Etsy, I would say, is by far my favorite in terms of like investment. I feel like you don't need to put a lot of money into Etsy in order to kind of test the waters. Um, but at the same time, you know, maybe maybe it requires a lot more effort in terms of output. You have to put out thousands of designs, right? And, and find what works before you scale it. So, I mean, again, pros and cons to every different model. I don't know that one is better than the other. My final take on it genuinely just comes down to like, I think you have to choose one. You have to focus on it so hard until you get to a certain number, right? So like, don't do 5,000 Etsy revenue and then decide, hey, I'm ready for Shopify. Like crack the seven figures on one platform. That's genuinely what I believe. Um, or if not, you know, at least multiple six figures on one platform. Once you've done that, then I think your product is ready to go omni-channel, to go onto Etsy or Amazon and complement your overall growth. Um, it is true that a lot of our, you know, potential buyers will look for us on Etsy or Amazon. Um, but what gets tricky when you have a brand, right, is that if you want to compete on Etsy, I mean, of course, there's going to be people that are selling the same product or similar, and they're going to be priced lower. So do you really want to represent that same brand on the website that you're selling for $70 for 30 on Etsy? And, and that's something you have to really come to terms with and decide. Um, and from what I found, you know, it's not something that we want to do. Excuse me. So uh, when we do launch on Etsy or Amazon, we'll usually rebrand completely. It could okay. literally be the same product, but we will rebrand it as something else entirely. That way, our social following and everything doesn't connect the two dots. Um, we actually don't want them to because we know that we're going to be showing them as different price points. Um, uh, dude, I, yeah, I appreciate you making that distinction because when you said it, I pretty much knew what, where you were going. I and I, that yeah. you elaborated. Otherwise, I was going to ask you to because you said like you know you can charge. Well, you basically said you, you have to charge less on the other platforms. And guys, this is where it's so important to just like anybody watching when we're talking about selling on Amazon and Etsy and Shopify, like zoom all the way out to the top of your funnel, to the top of your customer journey. Like if they found you or if they purchased on Shopify, reverse engineer that, like how did they find out that you existed and click and end up on your page? And like when they were on your product page, did they have five other products from other sellers to look at and price check? Or was it like a tightly controlled funnel that you controlled every aspect of? You can charge what, what you want, you know, and you have all this data with time about what the right price point is, right? Like all these things you, you, I mean, I'm basically talking as if I'm the expert here. I know you already figured this out though, so I appreciate that versus Amazon, no. you're in search results with 10 other people all undercutting right. each other with similar products. And yeah. I, I think, no, you're absolutely right, Ryan. Like it literally goes back to like how people found you. Like that's what it's all about. And so like, you know, we, we put these two in two different buckets. Etsy and Amazon is very simply, it's intent-based, right? People are searching for you. They already have this intent to purchase something. They're browsing. They're looking for something very specific. And so naturally, you know, there's going to be all these listings that come up and you're in you. 
it's very rare that on, you know, print on demand that your product is going to be so uniquely different from the next guy that you can charge so much more on these platforms. Um, and then the other side of it, right, on Shopify is that, you know, it's the need to charge more. I would love to charge less if it meant I was making the same amount. But the reality is that you're bringing customers to you on Shopify. And in order to do that, you have to spend a lot of money on ads. Um, a simple example breakdown of unit economics on Shopify looks like this. $100 is your price point for, let's say, a print. 30% um, cost of goods, 30 to 35%. You're selling it for 30, you know, um, or I guess it costs you around 35 bucks. Your ad spend is probably going to be around 40%, genuinely, at least, right? And that's if you're doing like a, a relatively good job on marketing. So $40 out of that hundred is going to Facebook. It's not going to you. Um, after that, you know, with whatever you have remaining, you're trying to, you know, cost control on the operations and customer service, processing fees. And then you're left with this margin of like maybe 20% if you're lucky. Um, so, you know, it's necessary almost to charge more on, you know, on Shopify because of the fact that you're driving all these ads, you're having to create all this content. Um, and, and like you said, Ryan, like it goes back to controlling the funnel. They're not really, nobody's really comparatively, you know, looking at other brands that are doing the same thing. If they found you on Facebook, they're most likely just kind of, kind of buy from you either that, or they're going to look for the same product on Etsy where hopefully you're coexisting and they can find you at a lower price point and, and they're willing to pay for that. Um, so yeah, no, I think you're totally right, man. I think everyone needs to reverse engineer that process to really understand how they should price um, and, you know, and how to be successful pretty much. That was awesome. Yeah. And then like Facebook ads, obviously, like you said, back in 2015, it was early, but just for perspective, it's always worth like guys zoom out for a second. Like it's 2023. This is going to be early for Facebook ads relative to five years from now. So yeah. you know what I mean? Like they're going to keep going up in cost. That's just the 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, go on. No, no, no go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say to like control that cost, right? Because, um, you know, ads, especially if you choose the Shopify method, it's so expensive. In order to control that, the best, I guess, things that you have on your fingertips are going to be like how amazing your product is. So it's going to have to be really differentiated. Um, for us, it's unique, right? Um, we own our manufacturing. So we do like a lot of custom products. And when I say custom, I mean everything from the design to even like the the actual substrate that we're printing on. So like what you see behind me is a multi-panel canvas print, which a lot of print-on-demand apps don't actually offer. We make that in-house. Um, we also offer things like a hybrid neon design, right? So like, for example, it'll be a neon sign that could be any size from like 10 inches to 60 inches, right? Which is massive. You can print on it as well as have eight different color elements of LED neon, like, we're making products to that level of customization. And when you're doing that, like you really can control how you price, right? And it's hard to compete as opposed to like, if I'm doing a flat 12 by 16 canvas print or a poster, I mean, there's only so much that I can go up from there, right? Um, and so I think that's like maybe our secret to like the revenue. It's like custom prints, custom products. Um, I don't even call it print on demand for ourselves. We call it product on demand. Because that's how granular we get. And, you know, it's not just prints. Yeah. Dude, that's super interesting too. Cause I actually just interviewed somebody last week who is getting into production and yeah. they only offer, I think right now, like less than five SKUs. Uh, but each product is like something that they say is like strategic in the sense that it's like well-researched and it's not just another, 
you know, Bella Canvas t-shirt or something. Not yeah. that I, you know, I love t-shirts. I sell t-shirts all day, but I'm just <laughs> saying it's, they're going into production, but it's to do something a little bit different where they see an advantage. So thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to yeah. know if uh, you'd be interested in maybe coming back for like a part two where we dive deeper into like your brands. You know what I mean? Because you're willing to share them. That's rare. I'd love to learn more about them. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm down. I would love to kind of share transparently. I think there's so much that even, you know, myself going back three to five years ago that I wish I knew, right? So if there's any kind of advice that I can share or we can get into that would help someone skip a learning curve, I mean, that'd be incredible. So yeah, let, let's do it, man. I'm down. Hey, that's amazing, man. I know this is going to already have like a huge positive impact on a bunch of people's journeys because like you even said from your own story, like crossing paths with the right people, even though you didn't know everything, you knew enough to lead you down this path, you know, and your guys were ambitious and you still are. And that's what helped you ultimately get to this insane number of like above 50 million in sales. So not only providing inspiration, but like valuable insights based on real experience. Um, I really appreciate it. I know everybody else does. So thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you for having me, Ryan. Thank you.